following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. We have a, we have a fun one this morning. Uh, they're all fun, but this one's fun. How many love love stories? No one? I fit in then. Um, (laughs) A good movie, you know, about two unlikely people through unlikely circumstances and unlikely odds. I mean, who would want to see a movie like that? Okay, like three. Oh, I fit in. Um, on On reading this text for the first time. This text, uh, it seems like that is exactly what this text is. Um, I read a commentary that I wanted to start our time off with. Uh, (laughs) This commentator, I thought it was brilliant. He said, if this text were a movie and he wrote us a write-up, I got to read this. Young Isaac, devastated by the loss of his mother, wanders without comfort through the lonely corridors of his life. But one day, at the arrangement of his wealthy and devoted father, and through the wooing of a faithful family servant and friend, a caravan arrives from the countryside and into Isaac, Isaac's life steps a bright, modest, beautiful young woman. A lonely nobleman, a devoted father, a dedicated servant, and a well-bred bride, a match made in heaven. How many would go see the movie? Yeah, it's a good one, right? It's a good one. It reads like that. I thought it was brilliant. And all of those elements are definite, are, are, they're true in our story as we read it. Um, but this is, this is more than... Just a love song, a love song, love story. I guess you could write a song about it as well. But there is more. There's so much more here. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. There, might, there is a lot in this text, and I believe the story is going to meet us where we are. Um, this is a beyond the love story. This is a story of faith. This is a story of faith and prayer, faith and obedience, even faith and parenting. Let me tell you the most important thing that we're going to see in this text. Beyond it all, under it all, this is a text that reminds us that our God goes before us in all things. I don't know if you realize this, but if you were to look at your Bible in, in chapter 24, this is the longest chapter in all of Genesis. Longest. Longest one uh, in the entire book. As we've seen, God doesn't, tip, he doesn't waste time with words. He's very efficient in his word. He'll, he'll span years in, in a matter of sentences. Yet we get to this and we camp. In my Bible, I have to 
flip the page twice. There's something to that. This is an important, important text. And by the way, if you are here and you don't have your Bible with you, we'd love to let you use one of ours. There should be one of these around you. Just grab it, use it. Um, And if you're here and you don't own a Bible, you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to just take the one that's around you. You can even find the one that's in the best condition around you. Take it with you. It's yours. Don't even let us know about it. Just it is our great joy, our great privilege to be able as a church to give away now boxes of these. Please take it with you. We love that. We, you don't even have to answer one question, all right? But this text this morning is so beautiful, so important. With all of that said, um, what I'd like for us to do as we come to Genesis 24 is I'd like to start with prayer and then we'll walk through this, this text. Would you pray with me? Lord, you are good, your word is good, your spirit is good. We come to you now asking, Lord, would you cleanse us from our sin and forgive us through Jesus Christ? By your grace, would you then give us the strength, the eyes, the ears to see, to hear, to apply, to live out your word? Would you give us the strength to do that? Lord, this morning, would you speak through your word and through your spirit? God, would you, would you help me this morning? Spirit, would you use me and would you help me not get in your way? And as a people, would you change us this morning? Through your power, for your glory, for our good. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. Amen. All right, here, here's what I'd like for us to do this morning. We're going to walk through this, this story. We're going to focus on three characters, okay? The first is Abraham. The second is Eleazar. And the third is Rebecca. We're going to walk through all of these characters. And under it all and through it all, the thing that we are going to just proclaim over each other, stand on together this morning, the If you hear nothing else, I'm going to give it all the way up front. Our God goes before us. That is the message. Our God goes before us. So, let's begin our story and let's look at our first character. Let's begin with Abraham. Uh, Chapter 24 begins with Abraham. He's, He's not so young. Our text just straight up calls him old. Full of years. Full life advanced in years, blessed. There's just one thing, and that is his, his son, the promised heir, needs a wife. Needs a, needs a wife. And this is a big deal. This is a, this is a big deal. It's a big deal not for just the typical reasons. Um, every parent wants their kids um, to, to marry well. I have three boys. They're young. I'm already praying for the direction God's going to take them. I'm already praying for their future spouse. Lord, would you help them not to be terrible, right? I'm joking, kind of. Um, already praying. We care about these things as parents, and um, 
By the way, I was reading Proverbs this week. I had to share this. Um, God's word is so good. It makes you laugh sometimes. But Proverbs is a collection of wisdom written by a a dad to a son. My son, listen to this and just gives this wisdom. And in my reading this week, uh, Proverbs 21, 9, a father is giving this wisdom to a son. He says, son, it's better to live in the corner of your housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. This is God's word. This is God's word. In other words, it's better, son, if you live on the roof than to live under the roof with a wife that's quarrelsome. Solomon doesn't end there, though. A few verses down, he goes, son, let me just remind you, verse 19, it's better to live in the desert You gotta laugh. You gotta laugh. It's better to live in the desert uh, than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. It's better to live on your roof or in a desert. What this reminds me of, no knock on wives, because you can flip that. All right. No knock on wives. But you know what this reminds me of? Is from the beginning of time, parents have always been concerned about the women that their sons are gonna marry, about the men that their daughters are gonna marry. We've been concerned. It, from the story of history, first parents to Solomon, to you, to I, fathers and mothers have always prayed for, have always offered counsel and advice, sought the Lord, pleaded for the Lord, for their children's spouses. And, and this, is, this is certainly true for Abraham, as it is with every, every parent. But there's more to this. It's deeper than this. Um, it's deeper than just Abraham saying, Lord, don't let Isaac find a, a quarrelsome, terrible woman. No, it's deeper than that. And, and we, we read this. Abraham calls his servant in the beginning of our text. He calls his servant to him. He says, promise me, promise me. Promise me. And he says, you notice he doesn't say, he doesn't say, promise me that she's going to be kind. Promise me that she's going to be wealthy, successful, beautiful. He doesn't say that. That's not the promise. What does he say? He says, promise me that you will not take a wife from the Canaanites. Why? Why does he say that? Is Abraham racist, prejudiced toward these people? Does he think he's way better? Don't go, don't go down. Is he, what is causing this to be his number one concern? For his son. What caused this? Well, it's because the Canaanites were idol worshipers. They did not follow the one true God. They were not faithful to the Lord. And for Abraham, this was huge. Isaac's bride might just well lead the future offspring off track. Isaac's bride may just lead grandchildren astray, away from the Lord. Abraham wanted the best for his son. He wanted the best for his son, but more than just all the physical and the material things, Abraham's, Abraham wanted his son to marry a woman, a wife that followed the one true God. He said, promise me, promise me, so that the next generation and the generations to follow and the generations to follow that would be raised in the Lord. Abraham's chief concern for his son and for his people was this, promise me, promise me. Now, as um, for any parents in the room, 
whether your kids are young, teenagers, grown, um, above all the material things that we wish for our kids and the wealth, status, education, career placement, success, whatever it is, all the things that we look to, above all, our desire should be first and foremost that our children would know and follow the Lord. That they would walk in the Lord, no matter their age, no matter the stage of life that they're in, our prayer and desire is to help them walk in Jesus. That's our, that is our prayer, that is our desire. Helping them walk with wisdom through their education, through their selection of a spouse, through all of the things through their careers, knowing and following Jesus with our, as the single desire, the single top desire and hope. And we see this in Abraham. We see a father deeply concerned about his son. And there's an urgency in our text. He calls his servant and says, promise me, promise me, don't you come back here. Like, go. There's an urgency. You know what this shows, though, even more than all of this? Like we said at the beginning, our God goes before us. And here's what I mean. Little did Abraham know about the ways that the Lord was going to go before. Abraham had no idea the way the Lord was going to work out the details. He, Abraham sends his servant on nothing more than that promise and nothing more than faith. He didn't know. Abraham has absolutely no control on, on what is going to happen next. He doesn't line up that girl. He doesn't uh, align the stars here. Abraham, all he had was the hope that God was going to go before him. He sends out his servant on the hope that God was going to go before him. And for any, it's a reminder for any parents in the room, you don't control your kids' lives. No matter how much you want to and no matter how old they are. They could be young, they could be old, they could be in between. You cannot control them and what happens to them. The things that are going to happen to them. The things that they're going to encounter. You can't orchestrate that. You cannot put it all together and line it all together to ensure that they're going to land where you want them to land. As much as we want to do that, ours is to point them to Jesus with all the time that we have to pray for them and to do everything we can to guide them knowing that our God goes before us and our God goes before them. And let's see how the Lord did that here. And and to do that, I want to shift from Abraham to our second character, the servant, Eleazar. We, we first learn about him in chapter 15. Um, he was the head of Abraham's house. Uh, we, we read in our text that he is, he is trusted and he is the head of his house. And in this text, Abraham calls him and gives him this task. He says, find a woman for my son, not, not from the Canaanites, but from among our people. 
And as Abraham gives Eleazar this task, Eleazar then makes the obvious observation, uh, Abraham, I can't exactly force that to happen. So he says in verse five, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? In other words, Abraham, what if she doesn't come? Like, I can't make this thing happen. I'm not kidnapping, right? Um, what if I can't find her? What do I do then? What, what would happen? I feel like I'm making a promise on something that's out of my control. What do I do? Verse six, Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me to your offspring, I will give this land. I want you to listen to this church. He will send his angel before you. Our God will go before us. Amen? Amen. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. Just in case you didn't catch it, don't do it. Don't. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master. That's not weird, by the way. They used to do this. It's kind of strange for us in this. <laughs> don't put your hand under people's thighs when you make promises. But this was, in, this was a way they would covenant together, promise together. You always, you know, as you read the, the text, there's always customs that we don't technically do anymore. I mean, you could bring that back if you want, but... Um, and he swore to him concerning this matter. So he is sent out on, on mission. He set out knowing that the God of Abraham, the sovereign almighty God, is going to go before him. So he sets out. He grabs his camels. He packs them up with gifts. He wants to go woo this woman. So he packs it up. He packs it up. And um, now, if this were a movie... This is the pivotal scene, all right, that we're coming up on. Verse 11, he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women would go out to draw water. <laughs> so you have our man Eleazar here being a bit of a creeper um, at the fountain, <laughs> um, waiting for the women of the town to come out, right? That, that's our guy. Um, it is a little creepy, but he's there for a noble reason. He's there for a noble reason. And, and, and it's in this moment as he's waiting that he, um, in verse 12, prays this. He says, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. What a beautiful prayer, by the way. Um, it's God who grants success. It's God who goes before him. And I'm also struck by just how selfless this prayer is. It's out of concern and out of love for his, for his master Abraham. Um, by the way, I don't know how many of you keep a prayer journal. Um, over the past several years, I have. And in, at times, I go back and look at them and... I'm so often so convicted because I'll go through seasons of life where I'm like, Paige, Paige, this is all about me, right? 
Um, I, I was told, someone told me this, and it has stuck with, me, stuck with me, and it's one of those things I can't remember who told it to me, so I can't give credit, um, but it stuck with me. The question was this, if the Lord were to answer every one of your prayers with a yes right now, would it change anyone's life but your own? Would it change the world? Would it change the community you live in? Would it change your church? Would it change your family? Or would it just change you? I go through seasons where I look back on my, my prayer life and one could only assume that the entire world must revolve around Justin Evans. Anyone else relate to that at all? Just, just me. Hopefully it's not just me. Um, I'm just struck by this prayer, though. I'm just struck. It it, it is God who is going to go before me. It is God who is going to grant me success. And when he does, it is God who is going to pour out his love for my master. It's just just beautiful. And then he comes up with this sign, this uh, plan, this signal. Here it is. I'm going to stand here by by the spring. The ladies of the town are going to come, come out. And uh, the young woman who says, give, uh, give me your jar and, and drink, and who says, and also give me your jars, let's give some water to your camels. The woman who says that, Eleazar says, when she says that, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. So there it is. There's the plan. I'm going to wait here, and the woman who says those things Then I'm going to know, and he's praying to God, he's coming up with this plan, and then verse 15, before he had finished speaking, before he was even done speaking, behold Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, she came out with water, with a water jar on her shoulder. Could this be the one? She had the looks. Could she be the one? Then she says the magic words. Verse 8, she said, drink, my Lord. She quickly let down her jar upon her, her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Until they finish drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew um, for all his, his camels. Let me say it again. Our God goes before us. Our God goes before us. And when you witness something like this, when you are, what we get the sense of is, is he, Eleazar, is praying, and before he's done, God answers it. <laughs> it's just incredible. And, and what happens when we see God do that, when he accomplishes something like that, when we see answered prayer like that? Well, verse 1 tells us, The man, Eleazar, gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. This is so relatable. Um, I know I just prayed for this. And I know that this is exactly what I prayed for. And I know you answered it, but could this really be? Like, 
there's something so relatable to this. We believe God and we pray and then God answers it and then it's unbelievable. It's just so relatable. And so Eleazar here asks a few more questions. And and he wants to check in on on her pedigree a little bit. And um, he asks questions about her people, her father. Um, Then he asks if he could stay at her house. Um, It's a different custom because this just says creeper all over it, but it's not. Um, And Rebecca was so hospitable. And she invites him. And now, in this moment, the realization of what God is doing is starting to settle in on Eleazar. Verse 26, we get this sense that, that he's overwhelmed and he has this little time of worship. Verse 26 says, the man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. And then listen, here it is again. As for me, the Lord has led me. The Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Our God goes before us. Our God goes before us. I, I think about this. We are called to be followers of Jesus. And, and you know what's incredible about that? Is the fact that we follow after where our God leads. In other, word, in other words, our God is a God who goes out before his people. We are followers of our God who goes before us. This is our God. So Rebecca runs ahead and she tells her household what just happened and about the the stranger she just invited over um, who was just the guy at the women's fountain. And um, they're cool with it. And and they, they, this is the first time that we meet Laban. Uh, Laban, who was Rebekah's brother. We're going to get to know him a lot more later. Um, but here in our text, verse 31, Laban runs out and he says, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Again, showing this hospitality. Um, and, and we read here that they prepare a feast. Just picture this as a movie, you know. They're preparing the feast. They place it on the table before them. But, but Eleazar, he's not going to eat he needs to chat first. He was sent here for a purpose, for a mission. He wants to get right down to it. And so he begins telling them about Abraham. He tells them how great of a dude this guy is. Like, this guy is, the Lord has blessed him. He's wealthy. He had a son in his old age. And this son, this son's gonna be given it all. All these things. He is the heir. And you see what? what Eleazar is doing, he's, he's making Isaac look like a catch here. He's kind of talking up, talking up the family a little bit. And then you, he gets to the point in, in verse 37. Um, in verse 37, Eleazar now tells the entire story. Uh, basically, from verses 37 to 49, Eleazar just retells everything that just happened. He's telling the story. He lays it all out, the promise made to Abraham, the journey, the prayer, Ray, uh, Rebecca, and the scene at the, the spring, and even the time of worship he just had. He tells it all, everything, and how would they respond? 
just, just listen to this. This is just absolutely incredible. Verse 50, and Laban, Bethuel, answered and said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, good or bad. In other words, this is a work of God, and there's nothing man could do about it. When the Lord goes before you, who can stop that? And so they, they say, behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. Let me just say this again. Our God goes before us. As we finish this, this story, let's shift into the final character, Rebecca. In many ways, her story is the most incredible of all. Waking up the next morning, Eleazar is not a man who likes to waste time. He's ready. He's ready to go. It's time to go. It's time to head home. I need to tell my master what the Lord has done. It's time, right? And so in the midst of that, Rebecca's brother and, and mother say, wait, wait a second. Let her stay here a little bit longer, then we'll, we'll get around to it. Let her stay, and then she can go. But verse 56, Eleazar said to them, don't delay me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. So they call Rebecca. The decision of a lifetime is placed on her lap. And they say, they said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And, and so they called Rebecca and they said to her, will you go with this man? And I just want you to take this response in. I will go. I will go. Like Abraham when he was called out of his hometown, I will go. Like, like Isaiah when the Lord says, who will go for me? And he says, here I am, Lord, send me, I will go. She says, I will go. I will go. Go, church, men and women of faith take steps of faith, leaving what is known, what is comfortable, and stepping out into the unknown. I will go. Knowing, trusting, believing our God will go before us. And so Rebecca trusts God, just like Abraham, trusts God, leaves her home to the place that the Lord is going to lead. Believing in faith that her God is going to go before her. It's like a father praying over his child, believing that God will go before him. The servant stepping out in obedience, praying, God, you got to go before me. Now Rebecca here steps into the unknown in faith, believing God is going to go before me. Our God goes before us. I don't know what you are facing. What you're dealing with today in your life, what trial, what struggle, what decision, what unknown, I don't know. What I do know is that regardless of all, of it all, no matter what you are facing and no matter what you will face, what I do know is that our God goes before us, your God goes before you. We know that, we stand on it, and because that is true, who do we fear? Who do we have to fear? As followers of Christ, Christ leads us, and as Christ goes before us, who do we have to fear? This is a love story 
that demonstrates God's sovereignty and the way that he sovereignly works all things together. Let me remind you, you and I control so little in our lives. So little. We live our lives surrounded by things that are totally out of our control. And that is where faith lives. Knowing that in all things, our God is going before us and we can trust him. We can trust him to provide. We can trust him to lead us, to guide us. We can trust him for wisdom. We can trust him for direction. We can trust him for healing. We can trust that he is going to deliver us and protect us. Church, we can trust that our God is not going to give us more than he has prepared us to handle. We can trust that. We can also trust that our God is not bound by our limitations, that he is all-knowing and all-powerful, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and we can trust that he goes before us, that he goes before you, that your God goes before you. Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? However you answer that, it just pales into comparison to the first day. This is our God, our God who goes before us. And for a moment, I want us to do something before we move on. I debated, I'm just gonna go for it. Um, would you just, right where you're sitting, take an inventory of your life? And I want you right now, no matter who you are, to think about what you are facing today. It could be one thing. You could be here and, and all of a sudden, like 15 things just came to your mind. Just whatever it is, what are you facing? Right where you are sitting right now. You don't have to say it out loud, but think about it. You got it? Are you thinking about it? We all there? With that in mind, I want us to say this together, out loud. Um, I promise this won't get creepy. But as God's people, I want us collectively to proclaim this together. So with it in your mind, I want us to say this together. My God goes before me. You ready? Let's say this together. My God goes before me. It was good, but I want us to proclaim it over each other one more time. My God goes before me. And because that is true, we have nothing to fear. I want us to, as we close, every good love story has a good ending. Um, our text is no exception. I want you to listen to how this ends. If this were the movie, this is where the, the cinematic music would sweep you away, all right? Right here. It's all coming together. Verse 63, Isaac. He went out to meditate in the field toward the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and, and he saw, and behold, there were camels coming. 
And Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. And she said to the servant, who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. And she took her veil and covered herself. About to be love at first sight, right? Verse 66, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her. And so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Our God goes before us. He will make a way, and that way will not be thwarted. And this is the beginning of a new generation of faith from Abraham and Sarah to now Isaac and Rebekah. God's plan just continues to unfold and it will continue to unfold for us next week as we continue in this. So let me pray for us. Lord, would you go before us? You never fail You never leave us. You never abandon us. You are faithful. You are true. You are steady. Your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. Great is your faithfulness. And great is the faithfulness demonstrated through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Christ went before us, taking our sin, giving us his righteousness. It is Christ. It is in Christ that we are your children. It is through faith in Christ that we are in good standing with you. You are faithful. You go before us. You always go before us. And we give you glory in Jesus' name.